There the wicked cease from troubling. When, when you're dead, no more problems. Wicked aren't pestering you or bugging you. And there in the grave, there the weary are at rest. Finally can sleep in. There the prisoners rest together. Now he starts talking about why death would be better. Better than where he is right now. For they do not hear the voice of the oppressor. They don't hear the guy. The prisoners don't hear the guards yelling at him no more. It says in verse 19, The small and the great are there, and the servant is free from his master. Death is better than where I am right now. And then as he comes to to verse 20, he kind of turns his attention toward his hatred of of life and what life has become for him. And he asks another question, Why is light given to him who is in misery? Why, God, why are you giving me light? Why has the sun come up? So I can look over there and see the house that fell on my kids. So I can see the sores that are on my body. Why? Just take me. Just let me, let me go. Life to the bitter of soul who long for death but it does not come and search for it more than hidden treasures now here's one of the things that I really like about Job you hear his despair you hear the emotion about what's going on in his heart and what's happening in his life we, we, we get the sense of, of how he's feeling and what's going on in his life and he's longing to be dead and he would love to be dead but he's still committed and submitted to God how do I know? because he wanted to be dead he could have been But he wasn't. He searched for death. But he did not kill himself. He still is saying to God, I'm in your hands. Take me. Kill me. Take my life. I long to die. I want to leave. I don't want to be here anymore. But he didn't put out a sword and fall on it. He was still saying in the midst of all that pain and all that torment that he's in, he's still saying to God, I'm in your hands, but I want you to take me. But he didn't take himself. In it all, Job didn't sin with his lips. He didn't turn his heart from God. He had the why questions that aren't going to get answered all the way through the book. But he still, he still trusted in God. He still clung to his integrity. Even in this place, he trusts God. He goes on to tell us in verse 22, speaking of the dead, who rejoice exceedingly and are glad when they find the grave. When all the suffering here is over, and. What a day that'll be. 
Then when we come to, to verse 23, now he, he, as he's, as he's in this period of mourning, he's also now in a place where he doesn't know what he's supposed to do. He doesn't know what he's supposed to feel. He doesn't know when he's supposed to get up off of the ash heap and what he's supposed to do with his life and what his purpose is because everything that he thought was his purpose is now gone. Every day was praying for his kids and offering for his kids and, and living for them and, and, and developing a, a great family and a beautiful life and, and all the stuff that God had blessed him with. But it's all gone. And he says, Why is light given to a man whose way is hidden? I don't know what to do. You ever been there? I don't know where to go. I don't know what's next. I'm just on my little ash heap. So he says, I don't know my purpose. Where do I go from here? But listen to what he says. And whom God has hedged in. Why is light given to the man who doesn't know the way and whom God has hedged in. What's he saying? He knows all of this is from the hand of God. You put me here, God. Wasn't it from the hand of God? Nothing touches Job's life except God gives permission, right? So, so Job says, why is light given to the man who's lost his way? The man whom God has hedged in I feel like you've brought me to this place and I'm here on the ash heap God you you brought me here but I don't know where to go I don't know what to do I don't know how to feel here I am Job just calling out just calling out in honesty but also recognizing God is in control and he's not giving me direction. Anybody ever had a problem with that? God's not giving me direction. That's that's where Job's at. Then he says, My sighing comes before I eat, and my groanings pour out like water. He's so deep in his suffering and grief, he don't want to eat. He don't want to eat. I'm not hungry. I don't have an appetite. I'm not eating any food. All I find myself doing is weeping, crying in his place of suffering. Look at verse 25. Look at it. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. Which one of us who ever had kids had not been afraid? God, don't, don't take my kids. It don't matter when they're grown. For those of you who's got little ones, it doesn't change when they're big ones. It don't change. 
So Job is saying, the thing that I was always afraid of, the reason why he always was making offerings for his kids, because he, he wanted to make sure his kids were in the right place with God. It's not that he was trying to, to intercede. He's using the revelation that he has. Remember, he's living between Genesis 1 and Genesis 11. The fact that he's making offering at all would seem to indicate that that there has at least been an oral tradition passed down from from Adam through. We've come through the time of Noah and the flood and the, and the table of nations and the tower of Babel and the separation of the peoples. That's where we put Job. He's making sacrifices and he and he wants his kids to have that right relationship with God and he's and he and, and the thing that he was most afraid of. And we're honest that was probably our biggest fear too. We don't there's no guarantees, right? There was not some page in scripture where God says, You have kids, I promise they're they're gonna live longer than you. We feel like that should be the rule. I feel like that should be the rule, but it's not the rule. And Job is saying, man, the thing, the worst thing I can imagine has happened to me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest. I've lost my peace. I've lost my quiet. I've lost my rest. And it's all been replaced with trouble. Job's complaints are reasonable. And they're reasonable for three reasons. I told you we'll, we'd go over those. The first reason his, his complaints are reasonable is because he has a limited perspective. He lives in a physical world and what's happening around him is a spiritual battle. Job, even more so than us, doesn't have Ephesians 6 to go look at and read, for we do not battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers in the darkness. He doesn't have uh, Ephesians chapter 6 that says, put on the whole armor of God. He doesn't have the scriptures that talk about the spiritual battlefield. He has a limited perspective. He, he doesn't understand. Now, in the same way like Job, we don't have answers to all our questions. So it's reasonable to be able to voice complaint. And my heart is broken that I have questions There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that brokenness. He has a limited perspective in terms of time. God sees past, present, and future. The Lord knows the end of the story from the beginning, but Job's got to live it one day at a time. You see, limited perspective. God can be everywhere at once. Job can only be where he's at right now. He has a limited perspective. And he has... In that limited perspective, he's got limited clarity. He doesn't know what's going on. 
He doesn't know that Satan has challenged God. He doesn't know that God has chosen him as his champion. He doesn't understand all these things that are happening in his life. He has a limited perspective. And so God's not looking down at Job and saying, Job's got it all wrong because he shouldn't have been complaining. He said, in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. He had a limited perspective. We have limited perspective. Giving voice to that emotion within us. It's, it's what Job did. But the way Job did it is the important part. The second thing, the second reason I think Job's complaints are reasonable is that it's a reasonable, verbal, emotional expression. So, that's four long words to say. God said, mourn with those who mourn. And rejoice with those who rejoice. Give sound to your emotional expression in your heart. It can be rejoicing. And it can be mourning. And it's it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to weep or to cry out. It's not a bad thing to ask the questions that Job's asking God. God's not bummed at Job and saying, Oh, Job, if only he hadn't asked all those questions, then I would have beat Satan and now Satan's going to win. No, the only way Satan wins is if Job condemns God. And he says, God, you're wrong. You can't do this to me. Job doesn't do that. Job never blames him. He blames the day he was born. He's got questions and things he don't understand. But he is also able to give expression to what's going on in his heart. 1 Thessalonians 4.15 says that we do not mourn as those who have no hope. It does not say, we do not mourn. It says, we don't mourn as those who have no hope. We have hope in Christ. But it's okay to mourn. It's okay to express. It's okay to open up the heart. It's okay to weep. It's okay to cry. It's okay to feel the feelings that are inside of us. Because corking them up and hiding them, God's not dumb. He doesn't know. It's not like He's looking at you and you go, Oh, you fooled me. You're right. You're not really sad. You're not really broken. It is not for God that we need to do it. It is for us. Because to bottle it up, to put it in a box is to say, I have this under control. And the reality is, I don't have nothing under control. None of it. God's got it. And I'm just trusting Him. Giving voice to that emotional expression. The third reason why this is a reasonable complaint, Job never condemned God. 
in the whole book. Job never condemns God. There was nobody else like him. Nobody else that God knew would be able to experience the things that he experienced and to show you and I the path through suffering. So that when we read Psalm 23 and we hear the, the, the coy phrase, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and we forget that that's a real place. That's a place of real suffering, and that's a place where real bad things happen to good people. At least from our perspective. Job reminds us it's a real place. With real emotion and real pain and real struggle. And he shows us the path through it. The path through it is not to condemn God. It's okay to give expression. It's okay to complain. It's okay to ask the questions. It's okay to be sad and angry and frustrated. Discouraged and discontent. Because God's people show those emotions all the way through this book. Yet in all that, Job did not sin with his lips. He didn't blame God. He trusted him. He had questions. But he trusted him. He didn't have all the answers. But he trusted him. He trusted in God. We come to chapter 4. And all of Job's friends have heard all these complaints. And their expression is going to be, you must have done something to to deserve this, Job. You did something wrong. Is that the only time bad things happen? Do people only get cancer when they're got some hidden sin? Does that stuff only happen to bad people? That's what the friends are going to say. And that's why God's going to say, You guys misrepresented me. Job had it right. It was okay to ask the questions. It was okay to give expression to the emotion. It was okay to, to cry out in, in your suffering and your pain. That was all okay. Job had it right. I still love him, even though he's in pain. If that's true in Job's case, on our microscopic suffering that we might be going through, it's also true in ours. Our suffering does not equate the fact that God doesn't love me, that God doesn't have a purpose for me, that God lost control, and He doesn't know what's going on in my life, and if He knew what's going on, none of these things would happen. God is sovereign. He knows what He's doing, and everything that is in your life is in your life because God said, that's how it's going to be. Don't forget, children of Israel... Naked, torn from their families. Men over there, women over there, kids in the middle. All in chains. Homes burning. Nation destroyed. 
men standing behind the group of people with whips to drive them on a several hundred mile march to a place they can't speak the language and a people they don't understand. And God sent Jeremiah the prophet on that day in the midst of all of that. And Jeremiah told the people, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of good, not of evil. I'm here to give you a future and a hope. It doesn't feel like a future and a hope all the time. But we should know our feelings don't always tell us the truth, right? I mean, I wake up every day and my feelings tell me I'm hungry. If you take a close look at me, I could go without a few meals. My feelings lie. God don't. He only expresses the truth. And He is long-suffering. And He is patient. And He is kind. And He has a purpose for everything that's in our life. Good, the bad, and the ugly. It's okay to give expression. But it's important in that expression that we recognize and remember who God is like his champion did all those years ago. I got lots of questions and I don't know all the answers, but I'm still in submission to God. I still trust you, Lord. That's why Job had it right. Amen? Would you stand with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you that we can come before you and thank you for an opportunity to begin to take a look at some of the Challenges of the book of Job, God, the suffering, the pain, the hurt, the things that are going to be voiced uh, next week as people say, oh, no, you know, you got to be, have some secret sin, some secret issue. God, you, you left this book for us for a purpose, to show us. Man, sometimes as we go through life, there are going to be things that we don't understand and, and we don't have answers for. But if we remember to cling to you, we don't stop in the valley of the shadow of death. We go through it. And when we go through it, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Uh, you didn't bring me here to destroy me. You brought me here to make me. And in the furnace of affliction, Lord God, I pray that we would call upon your name. That we give voice to our emotions that we ask the questions that are on our heart. You see them anyway. But I pray that we cling to our integrity. God is still for me. I don't understand this. 
God is still for me. I don't know what this means. God is still for me. I don't know where to go from here. God is still for me. Because that was true for Job. Every step of the journey. God was pulling for Job. Believing in Job. Knowing that Job would come through. And that's the same for us. God, I pray you open our eyes to the truth of your word and we would make lasting application. That we would learn that if I have been wearied by the footmen, what will I do when I have to run with the horses? So God, prepare your people for the paths yet before them that we would praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.